Welcome to the Got Your Six podcast. This podcast brings together current service members and veteran high performers to share their methods, strategies, and ideas delivered in an informative and most importantly, actionable way that'll help you lead yourself and those around you from the battlefield to the boardroom. Coming to you every episode, I'm your host, Tony Nash, and into the breach. Nothing mentioned on this podcast is an endorsement or opinion of the Department of Defense. I got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. I got your six. Sixers, what an unbelievable treat today. I am joined by one of my favorite agents of change that I've been able to interact with in my entire life. Intel officer by trade, innovator by passion, Lauren Hansen Armendariz. Thank you for being on the Gotcha Six podcast today. Tony, thank you so much for thinking of me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So what you do is really unique. You're an innovation officer with inside the Army, which some people might be listening that have been in the Army or are currently in the Army or been in any other service, and they're like, innovation in the military, isn't that usually a top-down organization? Innovation has to happen at every echelon. But what we've found is tactical-level units typically don't have the resources to you know, provide the right bottom-up feedback. And so you know, when it comes to more complex challenges that we have, you know, the solutions need to be more comprehensive in the evidence. And so part of what we're doing is making the resources organic to help tactical level organizations understand how they can help solve some of their own problems with some of their own resources, but also tying in with other organizations like from the capability development uh, community. And so the institutional army is doing a lot of really great things when it comes to transformation and they're focused for strategic priorities, which is exactly what we need uh, for them to be doing at that level. But then the the challenges, we're missing a lot of opportunities when it comes to soldier talent. There are some incredibly talented soldiers at Eagle Works, our innovation program at the 101st. We get soldiers walking in with coding experience, you know, with wanting to work on hands-on robotics or designing with 3D printing, and they just don't have the resources to be able to do anything about it. And so that's kind of where we try to bridge that gap. In order to identify the gap, right, innovation had to, you know, be first and foremost in your mind at some point in your career. Can you tell us a little bit about when that happened or when it kind of the light bulb went off more or less? Sure. So um, I was actually at JRTC when I found out I was nominated for the position as the innovation officer. Uh, like you mentioned, I, I'm Intel. So when I first heard about it, I was like, innovation, like, you know, everybody has a general idea of what innovation is. But when you look at it from how do you empower innovation at an institutional level, that's a whole different story, right? You know, if I had a dollar for every time I saw the word innovation in our doctrine or in a speech, like we need to be more innovative, I would be totally rich. I could retire. But when it comes down to what does that actually mean? How do we make that actionable? That's where it becomes really challenging. And so when I became the deputy division innovation officer, you know, the first four months was just figuring out what is innovation? What does it mean? And what does it mean to empower innovation? You know, like there's just so much that goes into it between the education and the resources, the time, you know, the psychological safety, understanding the right tools and methodologies, because what innovation requires is experimentation and learning. And part of that requires risk. And 
for the military, we accept a lot of risk in the battlefield. You know, in garrison, we're, it seems like we're not as willing to take risks when we can't guarantee the success of trying something new. So, you know, say a soldier has an idea, we immediately gravitate towards all of the constraints. So, for example, like when we first started developing our vision for what our innovation center would look like, the first reaction was always, well, where are you going to get all those resources? You know, like how are soldiers going to have time for that? Everybody just starts immediately thinking about what all the constraints are instead of thinking about what's possible. The art of the possible is just kind of a lost art for the military sometimes. And what we did by just focusing on, you know, what are the current obstacles that soldiers have to being able to innovate and experiment and learn uh, and try new things, that's really where we started with and how we were able to design the program overall. And so it was definitely not a clear path in understanding what any of that was. It was a lot of talking to strangers, talking to soldiers, um, you know, talking to other innovation officers and just trying to figure out, you know, what are soldiers' current obstacles and what can we do to help give them the resources, the education, the framework, the physical and the psychological space to be able to experiment. What I loved what you said about innovation is like there is no clear path. And I think innovation, correct me if I'm wrong, only works and is a smooth path when you look backwards. Like you're you're able to kind of look straight and you miss you miss all the failures, all the like, you know, half steps where you're like, I don't know if this was the right way to go, but we figured it out at the end of the day. Because it is about learning through failure. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why in the main entrance, like one of the things we want to do is put like lines of prototypes to show because everybody just sees the end result, right? Everybody just sees the success. They don't see like the 70 failures, <laughs> you know, all the different prototypes. And, you know, that applies too for non-material solutions too. All the feedback that's required. If you want to get it right, it needs to be iterative. And we don't do that. I mean, think about how we typically go to commanders for a proposal, right? Like you imagine, you know, like you spend forever on this PowerPoint, like you have to get everything right. Everything has to be perfect. You have to be a hundred percent sure it's not going to fail, but that goes against all, you know, innovation principles. You like, you have to iterate, you have to keep getting feedback and, and trying new things. And we, it's just not institutionalized. And that's something that we're trying to fix is coaching soldiers in that. Cause it's not easy. So when soldiers come to Eagle Works, they're like, you just see like their eyes light up, you know, because sometimes they're just so exhausted because they have all this talent and they want to use it like they want to make a difference. And they're just like they're constrained by what's typically done and kind of the status quo. And that's like the most fun part of the job is giving them that space and seeing that light in their eyes. So, you know, I, I said earlier, like sometimes when I think I'm just absolutely about to go crazy because I'm trying to tear down these obstacles for soldiers and I'm just like tired and exhausted. And then like a soldier will come in and be like, in this workshop, I made more friends in two days than I did in six months. Like I learned so much. I want to take this back to my soldiers. I'm like, this is why I'm exhausting myself. You know, this is why we're doing what we're doing is so soldiers have these opportunities and can, you know, use their talents to make a difference that iteration, like it's not going to be the first attempt. So where are you currently challenging yourself when it comes to innovation? Because there's always work to be done. Yeah, there, there is. So one thing I'm really trying to be more deliberate about is protecting time for creativity. 
And that's like one for me personally, because it's really easy for me to want to do all of the things, but creativity is a muscle and you know, everyone has it, but it just gets smaller when you don't use it. And so it's really easy to feel like we constantly have to be doing something productive. You know, sometimes we think that we have to do more tasks related to our job in order to be better at our job. But the opposite can be true. I realize when I do something different that's unrelated to my job, it can spur new ideas or I can see something through a new lens or just taking a step back and seeing it from a different perspective. It's easy when we're, especially at a tactical level unit, to get wrapped up in like this cycle of just doing things and producing. But it's so important to like take a step back and try something new. Just even if it's just like daydreaming or imagining, like, doing something different just for the sake of being creative can really help because creativity helps us see what's possible. And again, like I I really think that's an art that sometimes we lose in the military, the art of the possible, because we constrain ourselves to what's currently available, what we think is most probable to succeed and not what could be possible. So just like I said, for the example, when we first started, everybody gravitated towards like the constraints, but the creativity was having the vision of like what could be possible without those constraints. So I'm really trying to set aside time just to be creative, even if it's not related to the job, because you never know what can come from that. Sometimes the best ideas come from when I'm I'm not doing any work at all. <laughs> and it shows how you continue to lead with intention, right? Because you're so mindful of protecting that time, however long it may be, right? A couple minutes, an hour, then that white space that we always constantly look at in the military is like, but it, at the end of the day, you need to be able to do less better as opposed to just doing more to do more. Less is more. Absolutely. And then you look at other organizations that have done innovation, Bell Labs, all of the innovation labs are usually like thousands of miles away from the corporate office or the headquarters. You're literally inside of it, right? So you have that presents its own challenges. Having been on this journey for a little bit now, what belief or behavior or is it habit? Is it that protecting that white space that has greatly improved your life and taking this thing from a vision to an actual implementation? Or is there something else that you would attribute it to? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, you know, being able to leverage diverse perspectives, creativity. I think one of the things that's helped me the most is optimism. <laughs> to do something like this, you have to be you, like you have to be an optimist. You have to be able to really cut through all of the limitations and obstacles to be able to see, like to have that vision and stay focused on that. You know, what is it that you're trying to achieve? Like finding that big why and staying true to that. It it really does require optimism because the innovation space is exhausting. It's all about creativity and cutting down barriers and bureaucracy. And let's face it, the military is one of the most bureaucratic institutions in the world, right? We're a huge organization. And so it's really hard to transform big organizations. And so while optimism doesn't seem like it's not typically a trait that we talk about as being something necessary for success in the military, you know, when it comes to innovation, again, like being able to constantly get through no's to find the yeses and to keep striving for the possible, even when a lot of people don't see 
what you're doing or don't understand it. It's tough work. I remember when we first started, I was starting to listen to some of the AFWorks podcasts from the Air Force and some of their innovation officers. And I found it so helpful to hear other innovation officers talk about how exhausting it is. Like it is exhausting. And that's why I think optimism is so important. What's the mantra that you go to when it's like, you know, I know you said like when soldiers show up, that's like a physical representation, but is there something you say in your head where you're like, all right, hey, this, and then it's just like, all right, you're ready to go. Yeah, for me, it's transformation starts with soldiers. It really does. I mean, like- I love that. It, it starts with people and soldiers are the ones who are the closest to the problems. They're the ones who are the executors. Like at the end of the day, it comes down to soldiers. And that's the most meaningful part of the job for me too, is being able to help soldiers get what they need to be able to make their lives better, to be able to make their units better. The way I see my job and my role is just how can I help soldiers? How can we as an organization help soldiers get what they need to be able to innovate and transform? Because top-down transformation efforts are critical for keeping everything organized and prioritized. Transformation doesn't materialize until it's embraced by the people. As we talked, central to innovation is failure. Where in your life has failure presented itself so gloriously where it was just absolutely <laughs> spectacular, but it led to a, just an absolute massive win for you? <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, well, I could talk all day about failures and what we've learned. One of my favorite quotes is, you can't guarantee success, but you can guarantee learning. Um, and that's from the book, We the Possibility by Mitchell Weiss. When I was a lieutenant, like I just utterly failed to try new things. <laughs> when I was a second lieutenant, my first two years I spent as a special security officer, which is not really an intel role. At the time, I hadn't built the skills yet to understand how to communicate my skills, my strengths and aptitudes. So I just spent a really long time in a position that didn't fit my strengths. It was just highly administrative. It's like it's like a creative person's worst nightmare. <laughs> and so I, you know, I spent the first couple of years just thinking I was terrible at the army. And then, you know, like I didn't want anyone to realize that I wasn't great at this job. So I didn't really talk to anyone I didn't need to. I didn't try new things. And I really, really regret that. And like I can't believe that it took me that long to figure it out. Like I, I really didn't figure it out until I was given the opportunity to train soldiers from Mexico as part of a regionally aligned force mission. And that was like an opportunity to use creativity because I didn't get those opportunities in my regular job. So I realized that with the right coaching and psychological safety, that I was really good at working with teams to design new concepts. Like I just, I, I gravitate towards it. I love it. Um, like the more ambiguous the situation, the more fun it is for me. It's kind of the inverse for a lot of people in the military. But the reason why I think in the long run, it kind of turned into success is now it helps me empathize with soldiers who aren't really sure about taking risks to try new things. So that's helped me understand how I can give soldiers the um, you know physical and psychological space and how to give them the opportunities to work on something that they're passionate about and giving them the right tools so that they can try new things and that they don't end up as, you know, second Lieutenant Hansen, <laughs> who was just trying to hide that she like hates administration. I really wish that I had tried new things earlier 
And I did learn that lesson so spectacularly that, you know, now it helps me and, and, you know, anybody who comes into Eagle Works, like, don't, don't do what I did. Before we go, I know you're a sixer, so you know what question I'm going to ask. Lauren Hansen, Armandaris, how are you better today than yesterday? Yeah, I, I love this question. I think today I'm better at being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Um, when you're working in the innovation space, you're always working in the new. And I, I mean, newness is inherent in innovation, but especially like when we were trying to design and establish EagleWorks, you know, no one had ever done anything like this before. A lot of people thought that we were going to fail, right? Because it's it was just new and there weren't like, there's not clear resources for something like this. And understanding how we could build it required talking to a lot of people and strangers. Like I, I really, the first four months was just seriously talking to strangers, calling people up from different organizations. Like, hey, I heard you do this. Like, what did you learn? Like, wh- how do you do things? Um, and what a, an incredible experience, right? It kind of like forced me to just talk to people, right? And just understand about their experiences and, and empathize with them and um, understand like kind of the different ways of doing things. And so, you know, it was really uncomfortable at first trying new things, no matter how often you do it, it's still going to be uncomfortable, right? But I think what's found it easier or not easier, but a way I've found to make it more constructive is being mindful of it, like recognize it. Okay. Like I'm really uncomfortable and being deliberate about taking a learning approach. Uh, so kind of the quick example I'll give is I've facilitated a lot of design thinking workshops with soldiers and gotten amazing feedback. Um, I absolutely love doing it. And so I volunteered to facilitate a workshop for a team of volunteers related to the military who wanted to explore ways that Web3 concepts could be applied to national security. It wasn't official or anything, but I felt completely out of my league because of the topic and the experience level of the participants. And then on top of that, I'd never done it virtually. So I was really nervous, like to the point where I almost didn't want to do it. But at this point, I just put myself out there so many times uh, because of my job as an innovation officer. Like I literally remember thinking to myself, if this makes me so uncomfortable, it's because I'm trying something new. Like obviously I need to be doing this more. <laughs> and so I remember con- like consciously reframing it as a learning opportunity. So when I did facilitate the workshop, I was really transparent with everyone that we would be discovery learning together. And in the end, I got a lot of really great feedback that now I'm integrating into my new uh, facilitation. So, you know, at the end of the day, like if you'd asked me a couple of years ago to volunteer to be this uncomfortable, like, I don't know that I would have done it. But now, like, I'm just so much more deliberate and purposeful about trying new things and being uncomfortable. So that's, I think that's one thing that, you know, these last few years have really changed for me, what, what has made me better is just like you can't grow being comfortable and so in order to put you know continuously be uncomfortable you have to be really deliberate about it being mindful enough about the newness in order to innovate to serve others what an absolute beautiful message lauren thank you so much for your time before we go where can people go to connect with you and learn more about what the unbelievable work that you're doing yeah you can find us uh, just by googling eagle works and we have our website there and you can contact us that way. 
Awesome. And we will make sure we link that in the show notes. Or if you're in the Fort Campbell area, you can come visit us in person as well. Um, Just uh, our address is on our website. Awesome. And we will make sure we put that in the show notes. Lauren, thank you so much for your time, your strategies, your method, your vulnerability. And of course, thanks for having our six. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Tony. Sixers, thank you for listening to another episode of the Got Your Six podcast. If you got something out of this, be a battle buddy. Share with a friend, pass it along. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure you leave us a review and give us as many stars as you think we warrant because we love what we do here at the Got Your Six podcast. We're always adapting and evolving this podcast because of you, the Sixers. And if you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button. You'll never miss an episode when we drop new ones every Monday. I don't know what you've been told, Sixers, but the lawyers would like us to remind you that the views, opinions, and comments expressed on the Got Your Six podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests to include current and previous Department of Defense employees and should in no way be considered the opinions of or endorsements on behalf of the Department of Defense or any of its components, divisions, contractors, or other current and previous staff members.